0: there's a pelvic floor and you need to look after it even if you haven't had kids it's really super important because aging will take its toll and then you'll sneeze and you'll need to change your trousers and mm. set for her and all of this stuff that I know is like oh who invited that killjoy but it's kind of true um,
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Vintage Podcast with me, Lena Norms. We've got a bit of a hot and steamy uh, Vintage Books Podcast episode this week. We are welcoming writers Lisa Williams and Anika Somerville to the podcast. Uh, They are the Hotbed Collective, or at least two members of it, and they have written a book called More Orgasms, Please. Now in these testing tumultuous times, I can't think of a more useful manifesto, can you? Um, This is a book about why female pleasure matters. Like the podcast that inspired it, More Orgasms Please is like the best sort of chat between friends. It's punchy and playful and it's on a mission to normalise female sexuality and educate us all about it. I met up with Lisa and Anika in a lovely bookshop in Shoreditch called pages um, on Cheshire Street Uh, and we gathered together with lots of fans of the Hotbed Collective to chat about feminist porn, outsourcing stress relief to capitalism, body image, menopause and much much more. I really hope you enjoy this episode and enjoy the very wise wisdom from the women behind uh, More Orgasms Please which is has been called the couch to 5k for orgasms. So on that note Lisa and Anika, and a very bashful me to prod them about sex. Hello. <laughs> How is everyone tonight? <laughs> Good. Welcome to Pages, I am Lena. I'm the host of the Vintage Books podcast and I am in the presence of greatness tonight. We have the two authors of More Orgasms Please, Annika and Lisa. Welcome. Um, We're gonna be talking um, about lots of different sensitive issues. We're probably gonna swear a bit. Are you gonna swear? A little bit. Maybe, just to let you know, there (laughs) will be swearing. Um, I just wanted to open with chatting to you guys um, about what you were doing before this project and how it came about. I want to hear the little kind of um, genesis story of of how you guys maybe met and then mm. how the project came because it was also a blog and things before it was a podcast and now it's a book.
2: Tell yeah. us a little bit
1: about. Well, I think we were really lucky actually because it was we'd kind of we
2: didn't meet sort of together first did we we sort of met via cherry so i went to this sort of mum's networking christmas dinner which was i must say was quite horrendous it was so intimidating (laughs) (laughs) and i was sat at a table and then cherry healy who came over and sat down and i said oh my god what am i doing here i think i recognize her off the telly sort of and anyway we met then and we had a conversation people were getting quite drunk and it sort of turned to talking about sex and um basically people were saying that they weren't getting any which what I found quite surprising because these were I was very superficial I was thinking these are quite attractive successful entrepreneurial women um why are they not having sex I thought it was only me that was not having sex um and so and then separately Lisa you'd met Cherry hadn't you yeah yeah so this was a year later so I met Cherry also at a
0: Christmas party and we also started talking about sex theme mm-hmm. emerges um and I was like and she actually stopped in her tracks. So I kind of like grabbed her as she was going down the stairs because I wanted her to talk at a panel um, that was about sex after kids. And she, she had a suitcase and she was leaving the event. And I was a bit like, now or never, now or never. So I just sort of kind of collared her. And I was like, I know you're leaving, so that's fine. I'll just walk with you. I nearly offered to carry her case, but I thought maybe a bit much. <laughs> so I didn't. And, I, and she was walking down the staircase and I was like, oh, I'm the one who um, messaged you about chairing that panel about sex after kids and you couldn't make it but your agent said that you were really interested in the topic and she stopped halfway down the stairs, put down the suitcase and went, Yes, couples are breaking up, what are we gonna do about it? And I was like, I like your spirit. So we went for a coffee that then turned into a G and T and she was like, Look, I'm really into this topic because I think it's really important. No one really talks about it. I was working on a parenting site at the time. And then she sent me a message afterwards. She was like, I'm really, I do want to do something, but um, I don't want to tread on your like toes or anything. But last year, me and Anarchy were talking about a similar thing. I don't know if you've met her, but um, she also blogs. And we said we would do something. But obviously, a year had passed, and nothing had happened. But then mm. I came along, prefect kind of vibes. And I was like, <laughs> OK, right, I'll do a little agenda. We'll sit, and we'll kind of plan out what we're going to do. And because we were all quite busy and working on different projects, that's where the name the Hotbed Collective came about because it couldn't be a thing on its own because we were all doing other stuff, so we were a bit like, well, let's just do just talk about sex, on wh- whatever platform we're working on or writing on or you know talking at, and that's really how it came about. Mm-hmm.
2: So um, it was your idea, very much. It was Lisa's idea. I think in every sort of successful duo, I'm thinking of. Some reason I always have retro sort of references, so suddenly I'm thinking of Hall and Oates or um, I don't know the Two (laughs) Ronnies or whoever. it (laughs) I'm thinking there's always somebody who is quite I don't know a catalyst, an organizer, somebody Mm. who makes things happen. The Ravenclaw, and that's and so I think Lisa doesn't like it, but I think she is the person who sort of makes those things happen. Um, And then I don't know what role I am. I'm Ernie Wise. I'm the small one. I don't know what it is, but there's kind of there's a there's a dynamic that happens, and it was definitely Mm. Lisa's idea to do a podcast. And now at the moment, everyone is doing podcasts. And I think it's actually a bit of a podcast competition going on. Mm. But at the time, I think we were just at the cusp of sort of people starting yeah. to talk about them. Um, and actually, I think with, with sex, with the kind of talking about sex and relationships, it really does lend itself to being a podcast because we found that people were incredibly open. The minute they got into the studio, they started talking. We did some interviews where we'd go to people's houses and stuff. Um, and I think that it just it really took off from there I think it really only started to take off once it became a podcast because up until then I think we'd sort of been what's it going to be is -hmm. it going to be a book with lots and lots of stories in it is it going to be this is it going to be that yeah Um, but we were we were sort of blogging about sex and
0: specifically I was so the reason I sort of started it was because I'd had a baby and that really did change things for me because I was suddenly like what's the pelvic floor didn't know it's one of those things you sort of like only appreciate what you've got when it's gone and I was like ah sex is really painful A and B like I don't really want to have sex and C like I don't think I'm going to want to have it ever again because I had no sex drive whatsoever and I was really confused by these feelings because I I think I've always been like slightly prudish but I was also just a bit like okay it's like now or never either I because I'm not enjoying sex and I don't want it and there's this new baby on the scene like that's like either I can say goodbye to it forever or I can like work on it and that's really where it came from and it sort of started with that angle Mm -hmm. um and I was writing about it with that angle and I was noticing that people were really reading all these articles and they were getting a lot Mm -hmm. of traffic even though no one was commenting (laughs) no one was sharing but they were reading it and I was like I think people are really interested in this and it's a good entry point really because you don't want to be like oh I'm going to write about sex but when you sort of say like Oh, there's a pelvic floor and you need to look after it. Even if you haven't had kids, it's really super important because aging will take its toll and then you'll sneeze and you'll need to change your trousers and mm. sex for her and all of this stuff that I know is like, oh, who invited that killjoy? But it's kind of true. Um, and so that was a good entry point. And yeah. so that's really was sort of quite interesting. And I don't and, and it's now more it's about more than sex after kids now. That kind of is still an important bit of what we do, but We then found orgasm equality to be a much more interesting topic and it did bring in everything else um, under that same umbrella including pelvic floor which is probably the most boring chapter of the book I'm it's sorry different but different. Different. <laughs> it's, it's
1: um, definitely and I think I love as well that how it's a, a collective and like the idea of it like o- almost I think working together as women is kind of a radical act and when people are pitted yeah. against each other so much it's nice to see that and that you invite so many people on as well to get mm. everybody's perspectives, and it feels like a really and we're three-dimensional
2: very different, because I'm sort of I think there's 10 years between you and me, probably. Like, Mm. in terms of age difference and life stage, and when Cherry's there as well, when we first got together, she was a single parent. Um, You were... I mean, we've had pregnancies at different stages. I had a... I'd got a child, then you got pregnant with your second child, and then I was pregnant with my second child. Taking it in turns. We were kind of (laughs) taking it in turns, and we were all going through this journey. And I think what we've tried to do is we've... And our relationships have ebbed and flowed with different Mm. things going on, so... I hope we've tried to represent different different stages of your life um, and probably the bit that we're really keen to sort of learn more about is probably the younger stages we have a lot of kind of reminisces, reminisces about sort of what happened to us when we were teenagers what, how we learnt about sex but things have obviously changed quite a lot you know I, I grew up at a particular time you grew up at a particular time um, I think that's what's quite nice is that despite the fact that we did start off talking about sex after kids we have lots of who follow us or listen to us who are a lot, a lot younger haven't mm. got kids probably not interested in kids so I think it's a quite a diverse group of people and even women who are going through the menopause equally we've had that you know I'm not going through the menopause yet but we've had we've talked about that and I've had yeah, women they're totally. coming really up to me and it. talking mm. about mm. it and saying why doesn't anyone actually address what happens to your sex life <coughs> when you go through the menopause yeah. or how come when I go to the GP and I talk about the menopause he just gives me loads of medication and you know it's kind of it's opened up a lot of different areas for us to talk about. Yeah, and it feels like your
0: point about being radical, mm. it feels really radical, and yet, like, not radical at all.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about, yeah.
0: you know, we're talking about really basic stuff that most, that, you know, male-bodied people will often take for granted. And we're talking about, like, bodily functions. And also, mm. we didn't invite or- orgasms. I wish we had. That would have been, can you imagine? Amazing. <laughs> yeah. <Maybe. So> <laughs> that was so, yeah. so rich. Um, but we know that there's been a long line of people trying to, um, trying to liberate female pleasure mm-hmm. and tr- trying to normalize it. And as I was looking at the history of it all, I was like, we're not the first people to do this, but what's so weird is it just goes in ebbs and starts. So it seems like there's like a big sort of movement and everyone's going, hooray, it's so brilliant. And then it sort of stops, you know, yeah. and I think probably a good example is Sex in the City. So Sex in the City was like huge. And that's when I got my first vibrator and all of this stuff. And yeah, it, like, it wasn't perfect, I know that. But at the same time, it did quite a lot for women's pleasure. Um, and then suddenly there was a massive backlash, and it was like, it's really shit. And then suddenly like, TV moved on, and sex seemed like really cringy and old fashioned. And that's happened time and time again throughout history. And mm-hmm. so, again, I'm kind of like, it's, it's a collective movement, and it's not just us that are talking mm-hmm. about it, there's lots of little voices so it's about joining them all up and making yeah. sure that we're not the only voices That
1: we hope to kind of encourage other people Mm. and to get everyone talking that's what we want yeah and it it reminds me of something that I think you said in the book but I was also listening to the podcast at the same time so I'm like I'm pretty sure it was in the book but about how um as women um that society is trying to sell us this thing that we can actually find through orgasms and through like real connection but it's like we try to fill with like clothes or things that we can buy with money and actually you're like this is kind of free (laughs) (laughs) so we should look at this it is a kind of fight against kind of those capitalist ideals it's funny there's a lot of that stuff
2: around um health and well-being and mindfulness Mm. and and all of those things and being duped into thinking, you know, I went to a, I won't name it, but I did go to a kind of health and well-being festival Mm. and I was appalled by kind of the amount of money being, you know, spent on kind of, you know, organic green hemp leggings that suck in your bum and, you know, you can do yoga in them and it was kind of, it was a lifestyle and I know Mm. it is an attractive lifestyle, but I was thinking actually if you've had a really awful day at work or you had an argument with your partner or you're feeling stressed out and you've got an anxiety attack having an orgasm is probably going to do more work in terms of relaxing you and bringing you into the moment Mm. than spending 60 quid on this pair of leggings or you know mincing up some cashew nuts with some other you know (laughs) latte stuff and i mean i'm I am a big sort of believer in that, but, you know, we kind of... We don't have... I, don't, I just don't think we have as much pleasure as we used to in yeah. our lives, and so they're quite precious, those moments. And so I think orgasms, is, it's an easy access... You know, if, if you can have an orgasm, and obviously it's, it's, it, you, know, you need to learn how to do that and know your own body it's
1: a very easy way to just relax and feel better about yourself. Yeah. For like our bodies are like, Oh, I hear mindfulness and I raise you an orgasm. (laughs) and It's like, like, we've already built this into your system guys. we thought about it. Yeah. And Um, if you look at like the
0: (laughs) goopification of orgasms, Mm. it does come with a bit of a price tag and with a certain amount of like woo woo kind of, weirdness around it where it's sort of like the book's not like that at all you know we're not manifesting anything I mean okay Anarchy's like sometimes likes to have a little manifest but you know I'm sort of like (laughs) Like oh you know there's not really a huge secret it's Mm -hmm. like quite simple and Mm -hmm. the best example that we give to people is like you know female orgasm is really no different to a a man's orgasm Mm. it's just there's so much more going on up here you know it's Mm. more complex up here but in terms of the physicality of it is very very similar and the speed can be the same as well and that's how we you know that's what we want people to take away is like you don't need to spend loads of money on some kind of implement or expensive sex toy it's it's really is back to basics
1: mm. I really like that. um we were
0: gonna have a reading i think <laughs> so um because we're in a bookshop did anyone read any judy bloom or is that a kind of old reference that... Did anyone read? Okay, good. It's really interesting where people get their first like, references of sex and anatomy from. Um, and, I, and So there's a book I read by Judy Bloom, which I write about here, which refers to someone's special place. But because it was a euphemism, I didn't understand what that mm-hmm. was. And so the first time I heard the word clitoris was when I was much older. Um, and I know that for, you know, people that are a bit younger than me, sometimes it's just there's different ways that you find out about, mm. you know, the first time you find out about clitoris. I didn't really have the internet when I grew up until I was like 14. The f- uh, this is from a chapter called How Lit Is Your Clit? Mm-hmm. Um, which, if you listen to the audio book, is accompanied by a really lovely Chant. song. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. The first time I heard the word clitoris was when Ellen DeGeneres said it. I was 13 and watching late-night TV. It was during a stand-up routine about sex, and she talked about what a funny word it is and if you, and how your tongue sticks out a bit when you say it. And so if you say clitoris enough times while performing oral sex on a woman, you could make them have an orgasm. <laughs> I could gather by association that the clitoris must be somewhere near your vagina because I knew that was where the rude stuff happened. But back then, I wouldn't have been very familiar or comfortable even with the word "vagina. I never oh sorry, I would have read it in a biology textbook, but I never used the word. I never talked about that area, and I never touched it unless I had to. I knew Robbie Williams's favorite word, "funky, but I didn't know what a clitoris was. I knew that Kevin from the Backstreet Boys' nickname was "train" because I'm always rushing around. But I would have referred to my vulva as my bottom, or if I needed to make myself clear, my front bottom.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I knew that Keanu meant cool breeze in Hawaiian, but when I read Judy Bloom—sorry, but when I read a Judy Bloom book called Dini, and the main character talked about touching her special place until she felt better, I pressed down on my wrist quite hard and wondered why nothing happened. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much for listening to the Vintage Podcast. Uh, More Orgasms Please is available in all good bookshops and on audiobook. Do check that out. If you enjoyed this episode, do take a moment to rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. Uh, do follow us on Twitter at Vintage Books and on Instagram at Vintage Books. And until next time.